Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Social Sit Down Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Thomas. I have a lot on my mind coming off of the holidays, so let's just jump right into the show. First and foremost, Happy New Year, everybody. I'm going to quickly reintroduce myself because I'm calling and more people are going to start listening to this show. It's the second year doing this. This is my 23rd episode, and this is going to be more than just a hobby this year. I'm going to push to make this like uh, technically my third job because I am a football coach, even though I didn't do it last year. But my name is Sean Thomas. I am a high school teacher locally here in New Orleans. I also coach high school football, the position of running backs. Uh, Before I started doing this, I've been doing a little bit of coaching at the playground level, a little bit of coaching at the middle school level, and I also spent four years as a manager, equipment manager for Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge. Won a national championship under Coach Saban in 2003 and was in the program off and on from 1999 to 2004. A lot of the coaches that I had the, the pleasure and honor of working with have been head coaches throughout college football. I believe at least two of them are still doing it. Coach Saban is at Alabama. Coach Fisher is at Texas A&M. I root for everybody I've worked for, regardless of school. I'm not born and raised in the New Orleans area, but I'm not that guy. Yes, I root for the Saints. I root for LSU. My day sometimes gets ruined whenever these teams lose, but I'm not so hell-bent on these teams to where I can't root for other teams, especially if your professional team has LSU players on them. I will root for them, which I'll talk about a little bit later on. Another thing, being a football coach, um, not only just rooting for other teams just because LSU players and stuff like that, and because before I went to LSU, I was a fan of like Florida State, Nebraska, uh, the University of Miami. This is, I was born in 1977, y'all. So this, the, the teams I'm talking about looked totally different than from what you know them as today. Um, but again, as being a football coach, I hate seeing bad football. I cannot stand bad football. If you put a good product out there, I'll watch. I'll watch for a little bit, see what type of product it is. Uh, If it's good enough, in my personal opinion, I will try to watch the entire game, depending on what I have going on for that day. Um, There's also games that I cannot watch. And it's not because the football is bad. It's because I've lost respect for some people that work in my profession, not at the high school level that I know of, but at the collegiate level. And I don't think I've lost any respect for anybody that works at the professional level either. It's just mainly the collegiate level. And it just so happens that the two men that I lost a lot of respect for went into this weekend for the playoffs in the first round and lost. First being Coach Brian Kelly, University of Notre Dame. The other being Coach Dabo Sweeney, University of Clemson. 
Now, I do not hate the players or dislike the players who attend these programs, who've accepted their scholarships and working hard to get into the NFL or just to get a degree so they could better their lives and their families' lives. Um, for Coach Kelly in particular, I lost a lot of respect for him. Around the time he allowed that young man, I believe he's working in a video department, to stay on that, that scissor lift so he could record a practice while the weather was bad. And the child wound up dying on his watch. He did not lose his job at all. Uh, matter of fact, I think it was just a whisper. There was not really much fanfare given to that. Not nationally. I don't know. I'm not, I don't live in Indiana. So maybe things were really dug up down there. But nationally, it just in one ear, out the other ear. And complete respect was gone when I saw him on the sidelines on national TV choking out a coach because he got passionate or angry about something. What? I really don't give a damn. That's a grown-ass man over there who's trying to help you out, who's employed by the university to help you out. You don't put your hands on another person, period. And that was also in one ear, out the other ear, Brian Kelly's passionate and blah, 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 whoop-de-whoop. My white counterparts on his coaching level get away with so much shit that it's aggravating. Dabo Sweeney, um, his offense, it's not really parallel, but I fell out of favor with Dabo Sweeney, uh, I want to say two or three years ago. Well, it's 2021, so it's probably like three or four years ago now. And basically, he had something to say about Colin Kaepernick, which everybody else did. But the way he went about it, by insisting that he needed to be more like Martin Luther King and painting Martin Luther King as this broken down, kiss-ass, meek, weak, punk of a man. Pretty much saying, black boy, genuflect. I know you're an American doing your, practicing your American right as an American citizen. And even though I don't like it, I'm going to paint you in this light to where we're going all the way back to the 1800s. So, yeah, 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 yeah. That's all I have to say about Dabo. So, whenever Dabo Sweeney loses games, I'm happy. I don't hate Clemson like that, so I cannot wait till he either gets fired or whatever. And he gets to move on. I'm grateful for Alabama for crushing Notre Dame. I did not watch the game because I figured that's what was going to happen. Again, I hate bad football. And Notre Dame, whenever they face real legit competition, is a bad football team. Clemson versus Ohio State, on the other hand, it was a good game last year, so I figured it'd be a good game this year. 
And I was amazed at the turnout because I was expecting a little bit more from Clemson's offense until I realized that their <clears throat> their co-offensive coordinator was gone for that game due to COVID. And I wasn't expecting as much from Justin Fields because, man, Ohio State quarterbacks are just, I hate the word system because everybody's in a system, but Ohio State quarterbacks, they look good in that offense that Coach Urban Meyer brought to Columbus. And they've been fool's gold for like the past five or six years now. So I wasn't expecting much from him, but he his deep passes, pretty good. Intermediate passes were okay. Uh, passes on the move were also okay. He's a lot better than what I thought he was. Me personally, I think Justin Fields needs to stay another year in school and sharpen his skills. I know why he has to leave, so I'm hoping that he goes to a team with a good structure and a good foundation, i.e. not the Jets, not Jacksonville. Hopefully somebody could swoop in and collect that pick, one of those two picks, and take Justin Fields, help him out, help develop him as a passer. Great athlete. Great IQ, strong arm, needs to work on accuracy and decision-making. As far as Trevor Lawrence goes, Trevor Lawrence, every time, this is two national championship games that he's played in against LSU, who sent a lot of people to the NFL, and Ohio State, which I believe is going to send like three people to the NFL this offseason, and he hasn't looked that great. Now, I give him a reprieve this year because, again, um, his co-offensive coordinator was not there. And I don't understand why Tony Elliott is a co-offensive coordinator because it seems like he's the main man running the ship. But that's out of my hands. Him and Dabo have a special relationship since he played for Dabo Sweeney as a wide receiver at Clemson. It's been successful. It's been working. Uh, Trevor Lawrence did beat the University of Alabama his freshman year. So he has the tools to be a good quarterback. Is he going to be like the greatest thing ever? No. I don't see Aaron Rodgers. I don't see John Elway. I don't see who else is somebody that I I consider great. Uh, Having a brain fart right now, but there's not too many great like legendary all-time quarterbacks out there. I guess you could put Tom Brady in that class, but yeah, let's roll with that. Let's roll with that because the average everyday fan who thinks they know a lot about football will put uh, Tom Brady there, so I'll put Tom Brady there as well. So I don't see that in him as of yet. I think he could be a Pro Bowl quarterback his second, third year in the league. Depending on where he goes, um, which is still up in the air until all the offseason training and stuff. The com- well, he's not going to go to the combine. His all pro day, his pro days, his school pro days over with. Then we'll get to see where he's at. So I'm grateful for Ohio State and Alabama for what they did this weekend. 
January 11th is a national championship game, and I expect Alabama to take home the crown. Coach Saban gets yet another one. I think this is going to be a sixth or seventh national championship total as a collegiate head coach. Um, that's, that's mind-boggling. There's not, there's not enough words to express how great that is. So as soon as these mics went hot for me to talk to y'all, um, they had some breaking news. John Elway, mm, not really stepped down. He kind of stepped up, stepped away from his GM position. He's going to hire somebody else to take that spot. And he moved up to a bigger office as the president of football operations. The head coach is staying. John Elway is staying. So this GM is just going to be a figurehead. Um, I think John Elway just did this so he could just avoid the slings and arrows of being the general manager of a football team, which I don't blame him. I mean, it's it's rough when you put together a career to where you're great and everybody loves you. You start off your GM career with two Super Bowl appearances and one victory, but ever since then, you being a Hall of Fame quarterback, one of the best three or four quarterbacks ever played this position, and you're getting clowned because you cannot draft a quarterback. You've had nine starting quarterbacks over the last five years. You haven't been able to find a replacement from Peyton Manning, who led you to a Super Bowl with nine touchdowns and 17 interceptions on a broke neck. Um, that that kind of sucks. I've never been in that situation before, but I, I can imagine that. It's not fun, so he's found somebody else to take the bullets for him. Much respect to whoever comes in and decides to be a meat shield for John Elway as the puppet master in the background. I'm surprised that Coach Fangio is going to stick around for this, but like I said, um, this GM is just a figurehead, and he's going to be lockstep and key with whatever John Elway wants and partially with whatever Coach Fangio wants. Where I wanted to start was the game last night between Philadelphia and Washington. That was gross. Like I've mentioned before in the college football segment, I cannot stand trash football. I have no idea what Doug Peterson was thinking about. I don't believe anything he said in the post-game report, mostly because I turned the damn game off. Um, once he put in a third-string quarterback when Jalen Hurts wasn't hurt, and that led to, like, interceptions and fumbles, I'm like, man, I'm not – I don't respect this. So I turned it off. It was gross to watch. Uh, I believe he needs to lose his job over this crap because that's – what are we doing? What are we doing? His excuse was he wanted to see what the, the third-string quarterback looked like. Why? For what? You need to see what the hell Jalen Hurts does in a situation like this, ending the game, going up against a rival, having a so-so half or a so-so start to the game, see if he can dig his way out of this. What you need to see the third-string quarterback for, who will probably get cut this offseason since you're getting ready to trade uh, Wentz to who knows where. You don't need to see him. You're probably going to draft somebody to be the backup quarterback next year. It's not going to be this guy. So what do you need to see him for when you have a chance to win the game? 
That's point shaving. That's that's gutless, spineless. It's stupid. And I hope he loses his job. I really do. I usually don't call for somebody to lose their job and get fired, especially in a recession, man. It's 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 hard getting your money up, getting your bread up, take care of your family. He's gonna be all right, man. He's an NFL coach. He gets fired, he'll probably get a severance package of well over a million dollars. He's he's good. But by the end of this week, Doug Peterson shouldn't have a job. That's sick and disgusting. On top of that, what I don't want to hear is the bitching and complaining from the New York Giants and their fan base. The hell are y'all upset about? Because Philadelphia quit on the season. Well, not Philadelphia. Respect to the players. The coach quit on the season. You can't be mad at that. Y'all only won six games. You want to fix whatever happened from last night? How about you win more than six games so you can win your division straight out? You can't bitch, whine, and complain that you did not win the division when you only have six victories. I'm sorry. Do better next time, man. Stop whining. Stop complaining. Get off your little message boards. Take your diapers off. Quit with the bullshit. Philadelphia messed this up. Yes, they're wrong for that. Hopefully, Doug Peterson gets his head on a chopping block for that. But y'all have no room to complain with six victories. People don't want your... Nobody from that division in the playoffs, man. I, I believe Arizona has a better record than y'all, and Arizona's sitting at the house. Stop. Once the Saints secured their playoff spot and the season was coming down to an end, I decided to check in on guys that could get personal records. And one of the ones I was really interested in was Derrick Henry. At the time, he was at 1,532 yards. I know this because I was doing all the math to see how he could get one to 2,000 yards rushing and two to see if he could break the record for this year. I believe he needed to get 160 or more per game to get to 2,000. And he needed right over, I want to say... Somewhere between 170 and 190 per game to break the record. Didn't get a chance to break the record, but he did get the 2,000. So I'm I'm really happy for Derrick Henry as a former high school running back. It was nice to see that. Um, for my Tennessee Titans fans like Mina Kimes and my cousin uh, Demarius, Derrick Henry carried the ball 378 times this year. So you need to tell your team to... to <laughs> Draft the running back or put Derrick Henry in some bubble wrap next year because numbers, once you get close to like 400 carries, historically speaking, running backs tend to blow out some part of their body the very next year. Go see uh, Jamal, Jamal Anderson from the Atlanta Falcons. So I'm not wishing anything bad on anybody, but 378 carries alone. I have no idea how many catches he had this year, even though they don't really throw to him a whole lot. To say, to get to 400, he needed like 22 more touches, 22 catches this season. I haven't looked it up, but that seems realistic for Derrick Henry. So, 400 touches or close to 400 touches is like, ugh. So, if you, again, if you're a fan, pray for the man. 
Hopefully he'll be healthy for next year, but hopefully Tennessee finds a, a good backup running back that they can actually utilize and not just hold the clipboard or hold the bench from flying away for next year. I also wanted to see who would, uh, if anybody will make it to 5,000 yards passing, I thought Patrick Mahomes would make it, but I don't believe he played that last game. So, uh, brain farting here. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson won the passing records. Uh, he got close to 49,000 yards passing, so he won that award. Which uh, brings me to the rookie quarterback, Mr. Justin Herbert. Played in only 14, 15 games this year. Passed for over 4,000 yards. Passed for over 30 touchdowns and only had 10 interceptions in his rookie year. I bring that up because on the other side of the map in the United States, the guy who was picked before him, Tua Tungavailoa, had less than 2,000 yards passing, 11 touchdowns and five interceptions. And through no fault of his own, the way that Joe Burrow came out of the, the stables before he got hurt and the way Justin Herbert performed, once he got his shot, kind of made Tua look not so great. Now, thanks to Bill O'Brien being the man that he is, the Miami Dolphins have the third overall pick in the NFL draft. Thanks to the Houston Texans. I'm not saying Tua's going to lose his job, but... When you when you look around the NFL and you see other people performing at high levels, it's kind of hard. If you're not sure of yourself, if you're not confident in yourself, not not Tua, I'm talking about the GM and the vice president of football operations, the president of football operations, the head football coach who pulled Tua in two games this year. Are they really confident that Tua is the guy? And if I'm Tua and I really want to be the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, man, I go to the front office and say, hey, how about you how about you do your job better? Do your job better. I'm about to rattle off some names for you for the Miami Dolphins. In the first round with the fifth overall pick right before Justin Herbert was picked. They picked Tua Tungavailoa. Cool. We all know that. With the 18th pick in the first round of the 2019-2020 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins selected an offensive tackle from USC named Austin Jackson. Sean, I do not care. I got you. Let me tell you who got drafted four spots after that. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver out of LSU. With an okay so-so quarterback, he had 88 receptions, broke the rookie record with 1,400 yards receiving, and seven touchdowns. With their third first pick, excuse me, with their third first round pick, 30th overall, they picked up a cornerback from Auburn. Cool, nobody cares. In the second round, yes, I have to go to the second round. In the second round, pick 39. The Miami Dolphins picked up a guard from ULL, 
Louisiana Lafayette for you outsiders, named Robert Hunt. Again, I know you do not care. You do not give a damn. Let me tell you who was picked like two spots later. Jonathan Taylor, running back, University of Wisconsin, 232 carries, 1,169 yards rushing with 11 touchdowns. Led all rookie running backs in rushing touchdowns, and I believe as far as rushing touchdown goes, he was the third or fourth touchdown getter on the ground in the entire NFL. And he didn't really start to come on until like the last six, seven games of the season. The Miami Dolphins offensive line is highly criticized. Still, with all this draft capital that they've been dumping into the offensive line for more than just this year. For more than just this year. So you have a running back and a wide receiver that were picked after you made your selections. Mostly offensive linemen that did not do the trick. You drafted a quarterback fifth overall that you did not start right off the bat. Who you've pulled at least two times. One of those times, my man has 17 completions for 94 yards. Let that sit sink in for a second. 17 completions for 94 yards. Tua needs help. Tua needs help. You need to get this man some more talent. I'm afraid that they're going to draft another offensive lineman because of the way their offensive line worked this year. But they also could take the third overall pick and the 18th overall pick and move up to get a quarterback. Either Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. They could stay where they're at and get Zach Wilson out of BYU. Kyle Trask out of Florida, who I've been hyping up this year a lot. Or they could, like, <laughs> I doubt very seriously they go after Trey Lance because Trey Lance is, is not the answer, not for Miami. You know who else could be making these picks as well? Coach Urban Meyer, who might get the head coaching job at Jacksonville. The question there is, with the first overall pick, would he go after Trevor Lawrence? Or would he draft the guy he recruited? Well, he didn't recruit him, but he did go to Ohio State, the program that he did build to hand down to Coach uh, Ryan Day, and select Justin Fields. Or would he trade the pick away? and get one of these other quarterbacks for later on in the draft. It's it's a mystery. I believe he's going to, if he does get the job, because that's just like rumor right now, I believe he'll get Trevor Lawrence. I think the only way he'll trade that pick is if he's trading with the Jets or if he's trading with the Miami Dolphins. That's it. I don't think he's going to go any lower than that. If the choice is Justin Fields, I mentioned earlier in my podcast that I think Justin Fields needs to come into the NFL as a backup. So hopefully Jacksonville will get a veteran quarterback to lead them for at least the first anywhere between five to eight games. Five to eight games. Give uh, give the quarterback's coach some time to work with Justin Fields, work on his Decision-making and his accuracy, like his decision-making isn't terrible. It just needs a little bit of work. 
His accuracy needs a little bit of work because those windows that he was throwing in that I saw in the national championship game was not going to be there. And he's thrown a lot of interceptions in college against the better defenses that he's faced. So decision-making accuracy really does need work. So he should not be a starting quarterback coming into the NFL. The other guys, there's Zach Wilson. He could pick him up second, third overall pick. Uh, I think Kyle Trask, once again, the guy I've been hyping up all season long for what he's been doing with a mostly SEC schedule, being right there in Jacksonville, like a stone's, stone's throw away from the University of Florida. I think that would get the crowd hype. Trey Lance is the guy that <sighs> Trey Lance has too much hype. Too much hype. Two men I respect greatly, and Bill Walsh and Bill Parcells. They have a blueprint on drafting quarterbacks. And once you've drafted a quarterback, what you should be looking for in that guy that you drafted within a certain period of time to let you know whether or not he is the one. Both of them, their mainstays are you need at least three years or 30 starts at the collegiate level. Three years or 30 starts at the collegiate level. Trey Lance played his red shirt freshman year last year, and he had one game for his red shirt sophomore year, and now he's going to the NFL from Division II North Dakota State University. Trey Lance may have a nice arm. Trey Lance may be super athletic. I don't know about the super part. Because if he's all of that, why did he wind up at North Dakota State University? So you really need to ask yourself that question. Trey Lance at six foot five or six foot four. I believe he's listed at six foot five. Usually these guys shrink once they get to the league at the combine and at their pro days. So let's just give him six foot four, 220 pounds, good arm, good athleticism, wound up at North Dakota State University. And he's coming out after only playing one and a tenth college games and he's pegged as a first round pick and some people want him to be a starting quarterback if Trey Lance is a starting quarterback in the NFL in 2021 Trey Lance will be a catastrophe he will bust out of the NFL Trevor Lawrence shouldn't be picked up nowhere in the top 10 top 15 not Trevor Lawrence, I, I believe that's a Freudian slip. Trey Lance should not be picked up anywhere in the top 10, top 15 of the 2021 draft. Should not happen. If he does, you can mark this down. I think today is January the 4th, 3.06 Central Standard Time on a Monday. I'm telling you, if he's picked higher than 10, Trey Lance will bust out of the NFL.
Also in the NFL is set. We get started with the Colts versus the Bills. Then we get the Bucks versus Washington. We end up that end off that Saturday with the Bears versus the Saints. We pick it up again on Sunday with the Rams versus the Seahawks. We get the Ravens and the Titans again, but this time the Ravens go to the Titans. And then we finish everything up with the Browns versus Steelers. None of this really matters to me. I'm like talking about a couple of podcasts ago, I told you that I believe that either the Buffalo Bills or the Kansas City Chiefs will win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, the representative for the NFC will either be the Saints or Green Bay. Saints have the better defense, so they might get a shot. Although uh, the NFC has to go through Green Bay in the wintertime, so that's, that's, that's going to be pretty hard to do. I think the games this weekend will be exciting for the fans. I personally, I want to see, you know, I want to see the Saints, but I, I, I really want to see the Ravens versus the Titans to see what kind of adjustments that the Ravens have made for this game, to to see if they could fix that embarrassment that they had last year after going 14 and two, losing at home to the Titans. I'm also interested to see the Browns versus the Steelers because I believe, in my personal opinion, the Browns should win this game. I know they're going to Pittsburgh. I know Pittsburgh traditionally has the better team, the better defense, the better offense, but the Steelers cannot run the football. They're missing a lot of people due to injury on defense. The Browns, in the wintertime, January, December, they got two running backs that could tote the rock with ease. Offensive linemen is blowing people off the ball. The play-action passes are ridiculous. There's like two or three tight ends that Baker Mayfield has that are really good to throw the ball to. Um, most people know about Hooper, but there's also Njoku, and I'm slipping on the last guy. I believe it's Higgins. Higgins might be like a tweener between wide receiver and tight end, but there's three solid tight ends that uh that Baker Mayfield finds on that on on uh these play action passes which has been a godsend for him. His his career might get revitalized thanks to Kevin Stefanski because of that. So I think the Browns probably put a pull it off twenty four to seventeen. If the Steelers win I wouldn't be mad, but I just in my head, I cannot see that scenario. I see the Browns winning that game. I see... Man. Oh, this is so hard. Screw it. <laughs> let's go with the Ravens. That kind of breaks my heart, but let's go with the Ravens. Uh, Rams, Seahawks, I don't care. Uh, Saints, Bears, and Saints. Uh, that that's another one I just I don't care about. Um, Washington should lose just for having a losing record in the playoffs. But since they playing at home, they do have a respectable defense. But the Bucks come to play defense as limited as Washington's offense are. They they should they should run away with that. And the Bills should trample the Colts at home. There's only going to be like two or three games worth watching this weekend for me. Uh, Y'all, please go get your pizza, go get your beer, go get your wings, whatever you need, and enjoy yourselves. But again, spoiler alert, 
the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills will win the Super Bowl this year. So this is just for kicks and giggles. Uh, I, I hope you like it. Uh, real quick, today is Black Monday. There are six job openings so far. Atlanta, the New York Jets, Houston, Jacksonville, the Chargers, and Detroit. Me personally, I think that Cincinnati and Dallas also need to get rid of their head coaches, but, you know, that's that's just like a pipe dream. Some of the guys that's up to take these jobs away or uh, get paid for these jobs, Eric Bieniemy, uh Marvin Lewis, Jim Caldwell. You know what, people? I apologize, man. I apologize because this is something that's very near and dear to my heart. And I'm upset about something that I'll talk about later on in this podcast. I'll, I'll, crap. All right, so here it is. Eric Bieniemy won a Super Bowl last year as the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, right? He was not given a head coaching job because supposedly he wasn't the one calling the plays although he has the title of offensive coordinator. Cool. Let's go with that bullshit story. Doug Peterson and Frank Wright would fall under that as well. However, just being associated with Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs without winning the damn Super Bowl, they got jobs at Philadelphia and Indianapolis. Respect respectably, respectfully, whatever, whatever the crap that is. You know what word I'm looking for. Eric Bieniemy is going to get interviewed for a job and the public has shamed the NFL into him getting hired this year. So he will get hired. If there was no public outcry, they probably would pass over Eric Bieniemy again. The real piss me off part is there's a guy by the name of Mike Kafka who also works for Kansas City for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a passing game coordinator, quarterback coach. He's only been coaching in the NFL for four years. He got his little bullshit tag title in 2017. And he's a quote-unquote hot name to be somebody's head coach. Now, Eric Bieniemy coordinated the offense that won a Super Bowl. And people were reluctant to give him a job. Mike Kafka is a Johnny-come-lately, and all of a sudden, he's a hot name. Again, I'll talk about that a little bit later on. Another guy that's up for job interviews who should have got a job last year is Marvin Lewis. Look, I know Marvin Lewis may make people's stomach turn, and they got all kind of bad things to say about Marvin Lewis. Go do your homework on the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a professional football team that does not have an indoor stadium. I don't know if you know this, but Cincinnati is located in Ohio also. Don't know if you know this, but Ohio gets kind of cold to where it snows during this time of the year, and football is always played during this time of year. The Cincinnati Bengals also do not have a scouting department. So, you know... Marvin Lewis and his GM are pretty much pulling names out the hat 
to go on his team. They kind of sort of got the bad fortune of getting a, the red rifle. I can't think of his name, Andy Dalton. And the way I say it, the reason why I say it's, it's the misfortune is because they were just good enough to either make the playoffs or just miss the playoffs. And they could never replace him through the draft. They couldn't replace him during, through free agency because Cincinnati doesn't pay anybody. Marvin Lewis was dealing with all of this, and he had, I want to say, of his 12-year tenure there, he had six winning seasons and four or five playoff appearances. Never won a playoff game. Boo-hoo. Neither did Jim Moore, but he got the honor, the grace, and the privilege of being Peyton Manning's first ever head coach. Marvin Lewis can get back in the NFL. Let's see what he could do when he has a, a decent franchise behind him with a scouting department, an indoor facility, a competent owner, and money to spend on free agents if need be. Marvin Lewis needs to be back in the NFL. I don't give a shit if you do not like this information. Turn off my podcast. Go find somebody else. Because I, I don't want... Woosa. Jim Caldwell is the next name on the list. Jim Caldwell was fired as a winning coach for the Detroit Lions. Detroit will live in perpetuity as an average team because they don't know shit about shit. Jim Caldwell needs to be in the NFL once again. Marvin Lewis and Jim Caldwell need to be joined at the hip, in my personal opinion. If Jim gets the job, Marvin needs to be his defensive coordinator. If Marvin gets the job, Jim Caldwell needs to be the offense coordinator, quarterback coach. With that said about Detroit, man, Detroit wants uh, San Francisco's defense coordinator, Robert Salah. If you get the job, Robert, I feel sorry for you because Detroit will just be who they are. They're going to be who they are. And if you're from Detroit and you root for that garbage-ass franchise, bro, you need to quit that narcotic. I do not feel sorry for you. You got a bum-ass franchise with a dumb-ass owner. Moving on to Raheem Morris. Raheem might get the job in Atlanta. I doubt it very seriously. Raheem is another guy that needs to find somebody to join at the hip with because he needs to be a defensive coordinator in the NFL once again so he can get a shot as a head coach. Some new guys, some new blood which the NFL doesn't like with these old, crusty-ass owners. Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Joe Brady, offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. Those are the new bloods. They're going to get job interviews, but they will not get hired. The somewhat new blood that might get hired that I haven't seen on this list like forever and a day Brian Schottenheimer and Wink Martindale. I believe they'll they'll get offers. They'll they'll actually get legit offers to be head coaches. But the names that I mentioned at first, Eric Bieniemy, Marvin Lewis, Jim Caldwell, and Robert Salah. There's six openings. I know Urban Meyer is going to get one of those jobs. That's that's just a given. He's busted his behind to to get in the room. 
Anything that's merit-based, I can't be upset about. But when something is merit-based and you have to put in 15, 20 years at a job that somebody else can only put in one to five and get the same damn opportunity as you, it's, it's a little bit aggravating. And it's also irritating. It's one of the things that I hate about the NFL. It is what it is, man. So good luck to Eric being to me. Eric, if you want my advice, dude, go to Houston, go to Atlanta. Screw everybody else. And y'all know I love the NBA, but I don't talk about it that much because that's not my field of expertise. And I don't want to disrespect the people that um, that know this game way better than I do and can do a deep dive in it. I just want to pay my respects to uh, Steph Curry, man. 62 points last night against the uh, Portland Trail Blazers. I didn't get a chance to watch the game. I was focused on Sunday night football and that crap. I don't even know if the game was on regular TV, to be honest with you. That's how much I'm not into the NBA just yet. I have seen on social media after his 62-point game while people caping up for uh, Curry. Talking about why is he not getting his respect as the greatest player in the game? Why is it still going to people like LeBron James? Uh, I honestly can't think of anybody else who, who gets that mantle outside of LeBron James right now. I'm pretty sure Kevin Durant gets some of that. I don't know if AD gets some of that. That might just be the New Orleans bubble that I've had for the past few years when he was down here. Uh, and I'm just... I'm just out of out of the NBA loop to think of anybody else who would take that mantle. Maybe James Harden, which I doubt because he doesn't play defense. Giannis Antetokounmpo might be getting some looks, but he kind of folds in big games, and he's not that complete of a player as of yet. But the reason I believe Seth, Steph Curry, my bad, Steph Curry does not get that tag is because he's a great shooter. He's changed the game of basketball in the NBA and I believe in college and probably high school as well. Looking for people that could shoot that shot from deeper and deeper and deeper. But uh, he's not impressive to me in the finals. I mean, you could... you. You can hate or you can try to refute what I'm saying, but, I mean, go back. Look at the finals. Go back and think about the finals that Golden State has been in. The first ever one, he was overshadowed because LeBron James was averaging triple doubles, scratching and clawing without uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love trying to keep Cleveland in the game. It was more about what... uh, Andre Iguodala was doing than what Steph Curry was doing. I think Steph Curry even had a a four for 16 shooting night. A couple of them. He just, he shrunk. And the other championship games, I want to say Kevin Durant took the last two over. And the one that he lost to Cleveland I still can't think. It might have been Clay Thompson, you know, doing all the work. Or maybe 
Draymond Green, who people bitch whine and complain about. Uh, but it's, it's, it's never Steph Curry. He doesn't take over games in, in big moments like that, especially not, not in the finals. How you going to give him the greatest player when he goes to the finals? Y'all hate on LeBron James for putting teams together that made it to like eight or nine straight finals, carrying good players and carrying bums. I, I know people hate LeBron so much because they – that's another topic for another time, man. I, people that do not like LeBron James and come up with their dumbass excuses as to why they don't like LeBron James, I just – I, I just write you off as an idiot. Uh, I try not to talk to you so I, I don't lose brain cells. And I move on. But LeBron James shows up in these games. He's carried teams in these games. Steph, on the other hand, is just a great shooter. And there's nothing wrong with getting respect as a great shooter. What's wrong with that? Where's the insult? Where's the hate? He's a great shooter. Some people say, even people who played in the NBA say he's the greatest shooter of all times. Where's the disrespect? Just because you're not the greatest player in the game doesn't mean you're trash. I don't know where this idea came from. I don't know who thought of this stupid crap. He's a great shooter. Greatest shooter of all times. Take that, run with it, be happy with it. You're not the best player in the game. So this is the part of the show that I've come up with um, like about a month and a half ago. It's a parting message, something that I just want to leave you with to think about, ponder about. Hopefully it helps you out in your life. Hopefully it's just, just something to get you thinking, something to get you reflecting. Just just an, a, mostly an opinion piece, but today is going to be self-involved. It's not going to be about you. It's going to be mostly about me. Again... My name is Sean Thomas. I am a high school teacher for now and a football coach. You probably can't tell by the sound of my voice. Maybe you can. You probably tell throughout everything that I post, everything that I talk about. I'm black. I'm what people call in this country an African-American. I'm... I would tell you that I'm American of African descent. Do not want to argue about being indigenous or African or this or that and a third. Uh, this Take that to another podcast. Take that to another room. Take that to another section, man. Not arguing over that foolishness. The reason I bring that up is because University of Texas did something this weekend, which a lot of colleges do whenever they're disgusted with what they have as far as a head coach. And they fired Tom Herman. Tom Herman has a record of 54 wins, 22 losses for a percentage win total of 71%. The guy they decided to hire was a guy by the name of Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian's record is... 46 wins, 35 losses for a percentage total of, let's just call it 57%. Sean, what's the big deal? Here's the deal. Steve Sarkeesian, the reason why he no longer has a, had 
a head coaching job was because he decided one day to get pissy drunk at a school event as the head coach of the University of Southern California. He embarrassed the school. He embarrassed the boosters. He had to check himself into a rehab clinic. I don't fault anybody for having issues, problems, addictions. We're all human beings. Not that big of a deal. You have an issue, man up, woman up. Admit that you have a problem. Try to fix it to the best of your ability. Well, Steve supposedly did that. Uh, I don't know how much he did of it because he's suing USC for factual events that took place. I don't know if he's suing because he didn't want USC telling his personal business, even though, again, he was pissy drunk in a public place thrown by alumni and boosters of the University of Southern California. From what I remember, vaguely, he was doing some inappropriate stuff, saying inappropriate things, and I don't think he was fired on the spot. They had to think about it. Got a chance to be an offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons just a short time later. Got to be an NFL offensive coordinator. Didn't do such a great job. Didn't do such a great job to where he got fired. And what happens to an ex-drunkard head coach who's been fired from the NFL for his inability to do his job? Of course he gets a rehabilitation, whatever the hell you want to call it, at the University of Alabama. He gets to be an analyst under his homeboy, Kiffin. I can't think of Kiffin's real name because I always make fun of Kiffin for being called Lance. By the late, great Al Davis. Uh, but yeah, he gets to work on Delane Kiffin for about a year or two. Getting paid. Hopefully not drinking on the job this time around. Gets a chance to be an offense coordinator for the University of Alabama once Lane Kiffin goes off to become a head coach at FAU. Did a decent job his first year, got better, and parlayed that into a head coaching job at the University of Texas. This pisses me off for the fact that, once again, my white counterparts could do whatever the fuck they want to do and get reprieve after reprieve after reprieve. What's even more sickening about this is that a few years prior, the University of Texas hired Charlie Strong, African-American head coach. 
It's a good head coach at Louisville, good head coach the first time around at South Florida. First time on the job, the boosters, the people that put money in your pocket, the people that put money up to the university to pay your salary, to pay your assistant coach's salary, to help fund recruiting. From the first time he got there, they did not like him. And they did everything in their power to sabotage his, his career at Texas. And ever since then, he's just been taking hit after hit after hit, and I don't blame him. When you just working your ass off to get to a certain spot, you get to that point, and before you can even pretty much say hello, the higher-ups of the place that just hired you don't want you there. You're not even given a, a chance. And that's bullshit. Again, my white counterparts only have to work one to five years to do something that we have to do for damn near 20 to get the same look. Steve Sarkeesian is now the head coach of Texas. And he was hired like two hours after Tom Herman was fired. Which means a couple of candidates that I've thought of, there's probably some more that other people can think of. Cool. Do that. Start your own podcast. Put it on social media somewhere. Whatever. First person I want to talk about is Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson is the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator for the University of California. Or excuse me, the University of Florida. Brian Johnson played college football for three years as a starter for Utah. He became one of the youngest coaches to ever become an offensive coordinator at 24 years old. He's been an offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach in college for over 10 years. This man coached Kyle Trask, again, a guy I've been hyping up all season, and y'all just going to have to forgive me for all these stops and stammers because I'm really not trying to yell, scream, curse, or just throw this laptop across the room as I'm reading this. Kyle Trask in 11 or 12 games, 11 of which were SEC games, threw for 4,283 yards, 43 touchdowns, and only eight interceptions. Kyle Trask went from being a so-so, hopefully mid-round prospect, to a legit first-round quarterback and perhaps the fourth or fifth quarterback that will be taken in the NFL draft in 2021. Another young man that I mentioned earlier in this podcast, Tony Elliott, the co-offensive coordinator and running backs coach at the University of Clemson. I also told you he was a wide receiver under Dabo Sweeney as a walk-on. He's been coaching for 15 years won the Assistant Coach of the Year Award in 2017, 
since he took over as quote unquote the co-offensive coordinator of the Clemson Tigers. Clemson has gone 81 and 6. Should have been coaching three straight college playoff games, but he got COVID, so he only was able to do two. And those two games that he coordinated, Clemson made it to the national championship game and won one over Alabama. These two young men didn't even get a, a sniff. Not a sniff. You got two former players. Just like Steve Sarkeesian, for those of you who don't know, Steve Sarkeesian was a quarterback for BYU back in the late 90s, mid to late 90s. They're quarterback coaches. Well, one is a quarterback's coach. The other one is just a running back's coach who did nothing more than produce and help groom one of the greatest running backs in ACC history, Louisiana guy, Travis Etienne who'll probably get picked up in the first, second round himself. Not a sniff. Not a sniff. Not a letter. Don't even know if they called any one of these guys agent. I've been talking to friends of mine, non-friends, family, trying to get into this this collegiate coaching game and I just cannot put the words together to tell them over shit I'm 43 years old it's been about 15-20 years of me trying to explain how hard and how unforgiving this task is to, to get your foot in the door with so many odds against you and have people who are not pursuing the same job that I'm pursuing, who have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, brush you off or talk about it like it's ho-hum. Man, all you got to do is say, bro, why don't you just la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. You don't know shit. You don't know shit. You don't study like I study. You don't work like I work. You don't. You don't do the things that I do, man. You don't study this game not just for the goddamn plays. I'm talking about overall, the history of this game. I gave y'all a history lesson about this game, I want to say, three months ago on the podcast. And I took it all the way back to the early 1900s. I know this game like the back of my hand. I'm trying to learn more and more. Because I know, I know what time it is. Again, I'm 43. I'm a high school football coach. The odds of me getting into college right now as a black 43-year-old football coach is slim to none. 9.9 times out of 10, I will just be a high school football coach and nothing more. But what's really, really aggravating is that you have a sport, well over 60% African-American. You want African-American bodies, but you don't want African-American brains. 
And that's bullshit. Not only is that bullshit, that's whole shit. You want our bodies, but you don't want our brains. For everything we've given and sacrificed for this game, it's why my consumption of football has been dwindling for the past few years. Because as the years go by, my, my, my eyes become open to more and more things. I'm rooting for Deion Sanders to blow the roof off at Jackson State. Maybe my people will start to do their due diligence and start funding these HBCUs with with uh with um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You 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 gotta set a term with your money. Cause a lot of you the way y'all talk, I know y'all haven't stepped foot inside of HBCU outside of a party. Y'all know what the hell is going on. And I can tell by the way you talk. So if you want to get more in depth about that, reach out to me. We'll talk. We'll chit-chat. Many moons ago, I had a dream, a stupid-ass dream now. Becoming the first black coach to win the national championship. I'm almost at the point where I say fuck football because you don't want me. And I'm not about to get on my hands and knees and beg to have the same job as Brian Kelly and Dabo Sweeney. Two people I have zero respect for. don't pay the athletes, you pay your coaches. You make money off of name and likeness in a multi-billion dollar industry. Claim you can't find any money. You threaten to send my people back to some of the worst neighborhoods that you motherfuckers don't know shit about. Why a man could scratch and claw his way out of a situation like that to you coaches, to my white counterparts who make those threats. Fuck you. You will hold to your heart. And hopefully you'll be relieved of your job very, very soon. Very, very soon. Talking to that bitch ass coach in Utah. Talking to the head coach of the University of Iowa, Coach Ferentz. Talking to that position coach at the University of Clemson that Dabo Sweeney kept on because of Jesus Christ, you know, and love and all that other bullshit he preaches because he fake as fuck. We're more than just recruiters. We got a mind for this damn game. Your superiority comes at, at a, a hindrance of people. 
and that makes you fake. And if all these curse words have offended you, if I'm real close to you, I apologize. If you just one of those clutch my pearls type of people that just got a bitch and complain about anything, that's your sole purpose in life. Fuck you. I'm going to continue on being what I, who I am and what I'm doing. This will probably be the longest podcast of 2021. This will probably be the most aggravated I'll be all year long. Because I am changing. But that change is also coming with me not holding back my emotions, my thoughts, or my tongue. And if I lose friends, if I lose fans, if I lose anybody because of that, good riddance. Don't need you as a friend, don't need you as a family member, don't need you as a listener. This podcast is here to entertain you, inform you. But before I'm a math teacher, before I'm a football coach, before I'm an uncle, before I'm a brother, before I'm a son, I'm a black man in the United States of America. And I've been on this particular continent for four decades. And the person that I am, the race that I am claimed by, although there's no such thing, we all know that. It influences what I do. How I move, how I talk, how I feel. If you do not understand that, you do not comprehend that, stick around. You might learn something. If you're that close-minded, once again, don't let the doorknob hit you with a good Lord split you. This is my part message. Again, if I'm really close to you and I have offended you by the words that I've spoken today, I do apologize. Also, again, if you're one of these people that just wake up every morning with the sole intent to be pissed off because the sun is shining, go to hell. Thank you once again for stopping by and listening to me talk and ramble on. Hopefully what I've said has been informative, some entertaining I hope you got to know me a little bit more I don't plan on being this passionate all the time but this is just something that that's been with me for almost two decades now it's near and dear to my heart and it's extremely frustrating and now that I have a a platform and an outlet to speak my mind Sometimes the podcast is going to be like this. It's going to be this long. And there's going to be some bad words. But I'll tell you on the front end, um, somewhere, I'll tell you. Don't don't listen to this particular thing in front of your children. You can find me on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, unsubscribe, subscribe again, rate, review again. 
Again, thank you. You are appreciated. We'll talk to I will talk to you next week.